Hello and welcome to Dwarven Subtlety. It's a D&D talk show sort of thing about, uh, I guess not a talk show, sort of, it's a podcast, D&D podcast. I sort of go over uh, dungeon mastering tips and thoughts that I've had. Um, this one I actually am pulling from um, something that I heard from the show Dungeon Driver, which is how I actually found this podcasting system with Anchor. Love the system, it's wonderful, it's free. If you want to make a podcast, Anchor. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> so what I sort of wanted to go over was, um, I'd mentioned my background that for a while there I was building and playing text-based games uh, called MUDs, multi-user dungeons, multi-user domains, however you want to say it. Um, and I was a builder on them. I, I, I tried to get into the coding, but I never really figured out the C++, so it wasn't really for me. Uh, but what I did do was I became one of like the main builders for um, uh, one of the types of games, which is a Star Wars uh, brand of game, um, and I probably produced, I don't know, 15 or 20 different zones, 100 and something ships. I basically just grabbed the Star Wars ship guide from the, the, the role-playing game and just recreated all of them. Um, so yeah, th there's a lot of information out there. But anyway, um, one of the things that I would always tell people, because I, I was one of the trainers, whenever we'd get a new builder who had never built before, come to be a builder on our games, on our MUDs. Um, the tip that I would give them, which I think really well translates into Dungeons & Dragons, is when you're setting up a room's description, or an NPC's description, one of the things that I do, that some people may say otherwise, you know, you want to give people that sense, um, I don't tell the players how they feel. I give them the aspect of this is what the place looks like. Um, and when I'm in a room, I'll point to the walls. I'll give them a three-dimensional scope of this. So I won't just say you, you enter a room, it has torches on the walls. Uh, in the distance, you can see there's a troll. No. Um, so I'll basically, I, I will lay it out like I am doing a room description. So, I don't say you enter the room. They've already entered the room. They know that. We don't need to say that. So, I'll, so I'll say, in the room, uh, you see that the floors are made of a mortared stone um, that has been pieced together and is worn down by countless footfalls. Uh, the walls made from a similar stone and the roof uh, made of timbers, uh, uh, thatched timbers, we'll say. Uh, and then, you know, there's a, a, a fire pit in the center of the room, and in the center of the roof, there is an opening that leads out so that the smoke can escape. Um, and I'll mention that there are there's a corpse laying on the ground um, uh, between you and the bonfire. Uh, there are um, canvas sacks laying around, uh, sleeping sacks, kind of a thing. You know, not. Just sort of give them an idea. This is I'm, I'm pulling this all out of nothing right now, and then and then I'll mention the monsters. I'll say okay, and then uh, on the other side of the fire pit, you see a troll shaman with several skulls on his belt. I'll, I'll, I, I want to paint the scene for them. I want them to get the feeling. So and and while I'm saying this, I'll be pointing to things in the room. So when I mention the fire pit, I'm pointing towards the center of the table. When I mention the walls, I point to the walls. When I point to where the troll is, I point to where the troll is. Um, and I try to do this from their perspective, wherever I can. 
So, you know, I mean, they're around a table, so they're in all different directions. So I'll try to like, you know, let them know this is where it's at. This is where it's at from where they are. Uh, cause if I do it from where I am, it's going to be behind them and that's, that doesn't work. Um, so that's one of the things that I'll do. And I try to give flavor to everything that I'm pulling together when I'm doing this. The main reason I do this is because I want the players to know about the things that's going on around them. Um, if I mention that there's these sacks on the ground and there's a dead body, um, I might mention, you know, that there's a pool of blood around the body. Uh, I made that whole thing up there out of nothing. Um, but I'm just trying to like paint the picture. And he had a really good idea is before he says what the room looks like, he'll sort of sit there and think for a moment and try to get a picture of the room in his head. And so he'll, you know, he make the floor, the wall, the ceiling. Uh, then he'll make the stuff that's in it, the fire pit, the sacks, the corpse on the ground. Uh, he'll mention the torches, if there are any, you know, go through all that stuff. And I'm all like, this is really smart. I like this. I wanted to sort of, you know, go in on that there. Um, but I wanted to go a little bit deeper than what he had done. Um, again, Dungeon Driver, great podcast. He goes off, he goes up more than often than I do, like two or three times a week. Love it. Um, same, same concept though. He does his podcast while he drives. Um, that's enough plugging for him, darn it. <laughs> Don't mind. Uh, anyway. So, that's sort of what I wanted to go with on that one. And I'll do the same thing with objects, too. I'll sort of, like, you know, pretend that I'm holding the object in my hand and I'm describing it to them. Like I'm describing it to a blind person. I think that right there is a good way of putting it. And uh, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, the blind community does play online games. They play MUD games with text readers. So they'll have their computer tell them the description of the room, and they, they play just as fast as I do half the time. Um, heck, I think they have better map memory, to be honest. So that's one of the things I do. I kind of... I, I have a weird sort of aspect of building my games because I had this background being a game builder with these MUDs, these text games, and I would write two, three hundred rooms in a week. I'd build these massive zones in a week or so, and I'd always map it out first, just basically make the basic map, and I'd have it sketched out. I'd have everything down, I'd know what room number was which, because you travel by room numbers uh, when you're a developer. Um, or you go north, south, east, west, but room numbers is usually faster. Um, so I'd have the whole thing mapped out, I'd know where certain areas were and what was going to be where. Uh, and then from there, I would go through and I'd map out all of the rooms, so I knew what each room looked like. And then after that, I would uh, populate it. Uh, first with NPCs and then with objects. Uh, the reason I did NPCs first is because a lot of times they're holding the objects. So you have to have the person who's holding the thing to be able to make the thing that's being held. Um, usually. And there'd be exceptions to that. And if there's like a quest item, I would uh, have the quest item be mentioned and whatnot. Okay, I'm gonna go before that light turns green for the turners, okay. Alrighty. <laughs> but that's sort of what I wanted to go on there is when you're describing the room, don't give them the sense of what they're feeling. You can say that there's a cold chill in the air, but if you tell them a cold chill grips your spine and fills you with fear, you're putting emotions into your characters. That's really what I wanted to say there is that when you're 
doing these, when you're, when you're setting the scene for your characters, give them the sense of where they are and what's happening around them. Try to paint the picture as clearly as you can. Um, I know I'm horrible at the other side of this. When my DM starts telling me about the room, I kind of phase it out. Um, I pay a little bit of attention to who's in the room and what's there. But if he told me like a layout of the map, I, I, I couldn't tell him back. I'm horrible for that. I'm a, I'm a bad player. Fair DM, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't had anyone take surveys yet. So that's what I wanted to go on there is the, is, is that sort of topic. Um, just sort of, I, I don't know, I guess it's more of just like a warning uh, for DMs out there. When you're painting the picture for your characters, don't, don't paint them, I think is the best way of saying that. Um, let them paint themselves. Let them react to what you've given them. Because uh, when you go to an art gallery, uh, this painting motif is working. Um, analogy. <laughs> uh, when you go to an art gallery, you don't want someone there to say, okay, so this painting here, you can see the colors are flowing through this way, and it's going to give you a sense like this. It doesn't work. You're not going to feel that. It's like, oh, cool. Neat. Um, you want to look at a painting and make of it what you will. Uh, my favorite painting, easy hands down, is Starry Night. I don't know why. It's just my favorite. I love the blues. I love the way that the stars shine. The, the, the color contrast, just everything about it. I love Starry Night. Absolutely favorite uh, painting of all time. But it makes me feel the way that I feel because I feel it. It's not because someone told me I feel that, which I love. You know, it's a good thing. Um, ooh, weird little thing that happened today there that, that works well for this. Um, so we were talking about the movie uh, Glenn, Glary, uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. It's the, the Coffee is the Closes movie. Uh, you, I, you've heard about it. You might not have seen it. Um, so the, the thing we were chuckling about was um, basically... The thing that everyone knows about this movie is this five-minute part, five or six-minute part with Alec Baldwin. The movie's an hour and 40 minutes long. Alec Baldwin is in it for five or six minutes, and that's it. That's all you see of him. He came in for a day and recorded that, and then he started winning awards for this scene, and he's been parodying it on Saturday Night Live ever since. Uh, you know, uh, Coco is for closes, you know. Uh, <laughs> I love Alec Baldwin. Um, but yeah, so that's, that scene right there is sort of a good example of, I don't know what I'm saying there. If I only show you that scene of the movie, that's all you're going to know of it. But if you see the whole thing, then you realize there's this whole other plot behind it. And that scene actually isn't even relevant to the rest of the movie. All it's doing is basically kicking these guys in the balls. Honestly, that if you watch the movie, that's all the scene is. Alec Baldwin comes in and says, uh, we have these wonderful prizes for you, for the two of you who do a really good job. The person who does not get a good, do a good job is fired. You're gone. Screw you. Um, and one of the guys gets up to go get some coffee, and that's where the whole coffee is for closures thing. He's listening, but he, he's tired. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, that, that right there is like the spark that ignites it. That's like the first 10 minutes of the movie brings that character in, he does his scene, and then he leaves. 
And I honestly think Alec Baldwin showed up on the day, read the script a few times, did it, and then went home. <laughs> so there you have it. There, that, that's that, that, that's it. And I can't tell you how that scene's going to make you feel because you got to watch it. You know, you got to hear the power in his voice, the things he's saying. I can do the scene. Well, sort of. I don't know the words all the, all the way through. I only know parts of it. Um, but I can't tell you how you should react. And that's really where I'm going. So, I don't know. This, this kind of went off on a weird tangent. I think I've, I, I clearly stated my whole status of this whole thing in the first probably five minutes. We're at 12 minutes now, so I, I, I definitely have rambled. Uh, and I'm getting close to home, which is great. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and do my plugs. My plug. Um, well, I guess plugs. So yeah, um, first up, definitely Anchor. Great podcast system. If you want to make your own podcast, you don't have the skill, the knowledge, the money. Um, Anchor. You, you download the app onto your phone. Put your info, info into it to set up an account. It took me 5-10 minutes to set up Dwarven Subtlety on the, on, uh, the Anchor app. And I started publishing. I have now been notified I am on Google Podcast. I am on iTunes. I am on Stitcher. I'm on all these podcast groups. And it's like, oh, cool. I, I didn't do anything. <laughs> I, I'm excited, though. I mean, I'm on all these things. I, I don't think I have anyone listening to me, which is perfectly fine. I don't mind. Um, but it's, it's great. So, so yeah, uh, Anchor is great. It's a great way to get your podcast started and going. Uh, you can upload files to it, so if you record using a microphone, you can then upload uh, your stuff. Um, or you can do it like I do, and just drive, on, drive in the car and talk, because talking is fun. Um, last plug, as always, is going to be the book, audiobook, Villains by Necessity by E. Forward. You can get the ebook also. Um, I actually helped to produce the ebook, so yay me. Um, I apologize for the typos. <laughs> We had to convert it from uh, paperback to digital, and typos happen. Nothing I can do on that. You know, hey, I tried. <laughs> the, but the audiobook is great. Villains by Necessity by E. Forward. Uh, you can find it on Audible. Uh, and it's a fun story about, you know, the, the heroes of the world have won too many fights, and the last remaining villains have to save the world from evil. Uh, or everyone will be... Or, sorry, save the world from good or everyone will be sublimated by the light. Um, so yeah, there you go. Uh, it's got a great cast of characters. You've got Sam, the assassin, clad in black, who's a blonde and dyes his hair. Fun guy. You've got Kaylana, the druidess, the last of her kind. Last druid before her died 150 years ago, and she was there to tell the tale. Uh, you've got Arcee, the thief guildmaster, nimblest fingers in the world. Uh, just watch out for those Fazarian pouch traps. Uh, you've got Valeriana, the Nathawan sorceress with powerful magic and a powerful dark portal. Yeah, dark, yeah, dark portal, yeah. Um, at her neck. Then you have Blackmail, the Black Knight who does not speak. And you have... Robin, the minstrel, who wishes he could be a bard. He just doesn't know what one is yet. Uh, I am home. My kids are rushing out to my car, so I'm going to go ahead and end this podcast. Thank you for so much for listening to Dwarven Subtlety. My name is Daniel. And remember, as always, 
Stay subtle, my lad. Well, he fell on his back and can't get up by the wall. Oh, he probably died. No, he didn't. Oh, he may be stunned. We'll check him out. He's, he's in the front yard over here. Over here? What are you doing yeah. in the front yard? He's next to the meadow, but I don't know where he was. Well, if he's not here anymore, then he, he, he's up. Where was he at? He was right here, up there. Well, if he was up here and he's gone, then he's, he's fine. He walked away. He must have went over there. Come on, Joel. I want a pet lizard. No, 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 no. No pet lizards, honey. Those lizards aren't good for pets, honey. They die really, really easily. All these, all these lizards are real. I can't believe it just turned its wheels. Did you see that? Hi, Emmy. Let me see it in your shoe. Where's my hug? I'm here. Where's my hug? No hugs? Go to the store. Right, that's the... No.